Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, it cares Levert. It's cold. Levert. Back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday. Shot clock down to six. Finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Emmy Cornrows Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. And of course, read us over in your cornrows. We got great stuff coming out. I will have some stuff coming out later this week. Uh, a lot of stuff in the, in the upcoming future that we'll be talking about as well. First and foremost, Tom Lewis, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain for Monday. A couple of wins for the Pacers. And, uh, you know, we got new heroes in town with Edmund Sumner and O'Shea Brissett. It's all good. Yeah, I think the best way to put it is uh, this... Uh, <laughs> This weekend was like the embodiment of JWB in a back-to-back. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I came in expecting – I don't want to like sound like defeatist, but I, I I mean, were you expecting wins in either of these games, to be honest? I, I, I mean, I thought the Orlando game was probably the better option because yeah. I felt like uh, Detroit I, – I liked the way they were playing leading up to that game, and their young guys had been, you know – Give them a spark, um, and so I figured that one would be would be trouble. But um, uh, you know, the Pacers were able to play well and and you know end up winning. So yeah, expectations are kind of null at this point. You don't know what you're going to get from night to night. But you know, these were fun games to watch at least. Yeah, exactly. I, I felt very similarly. I mean, it was just uh, very different. I mean, part of it was. Regardless, you know, it sucks. It hurts that, um, you know, Miles is out and Goga has been dealing with injury. Obviously, Domas is out, too. Um, so the tallest player on the roster until yesterday was six foot seven. Um, obviously, Amita Brima was signed and brought in and he played a little bit yesterday. Uh, Brian Bowen was released. We can talk about that later as well. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, let's talk about O'Shea Brissett first, because I uh, I have really uh Tony East pointed this out on the timeline. And uh, of course, you know, you and I both love Tony, but just point point being like the reason that you should maybe try and watch some G League games if you ever get a chance is because you can see O'Shea Brissett play. I only saw four or five G League games. We could tell O'Shea Brissett is a legit player. He, he would bring something to the roster and seeing him come up and thrive like this has been awesome. I wasn't expecting like the full level that he's been able to get to. Um, but I mean, just from what we've seen already, I would say, and just by gauging on you know the way that he the, the amount of time he's getting and the way that the rotations have played out he's ahead of Jakar Sampson in the pecking order and he should be he's outplayed him and he brings more to the table to be frank that's not a slight to Jakar O'Shea's just looked awesome he is a young player I think he's 22 I'm trying to remember right off the top of my head right now yeah O'Shea is 22 um he's just been fantastic uh and, and again that's not trying to oversell a role player because I know some people get frustrated with me when I do that. I do have a tendency to call a 10th man awesome. But, I mean, these guys are awesome players. They're, you know, top 500 players in the world. But uh, point being, Tom, what have you thought of O'Shea so far and what he's brought? Because I uh, I was really impressed with what he did in stepping up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going out of bounds to say he's been awesome just because of, you know, the context of, of the role he's in and, um, you know, let alone what the team needs him to do. But he hasn't even played but, thirty uh, NBA games yet. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and the and the the fact he's like, hey, we're gonna need to play center tonight. <laughs> it's like let's go. Um, and it's productive, and you know, able to still play his game. But um, it, it's just incredible. And you know, it feels like this never happens with the Pacers, where a guy comes out of the blue and is you know really productive and, and you can actually see a future for him as a valuable guy going forward. Um, it, it, it's just been uh, almost in, in some parts of the season. I know last time we talked when things were going in the wrong direction. And I remember you were like, what are you looking forward to coming up with this team? And I was pretty, you know, we were like, well, seeing what Edmund Sumner and O'Shea Brissett can do. And, and those two guys have, have definitely, um, you know, brought brought the energy and and the, the 
the enjoyment to watching the game. But um, the thing I like about Brissett is just it, he just seems to have a um, at both ends of the floor. You know, he, he has a nose for making plays, and he's obviously not afraid. Um, even even last night, I liked the uh, pictures had on their Instagram showed him you know walking back into the locker room and he put up W's with his hands. It was like you know said dub. You know, it was like you can see he. he He's enjoying it, and, and that confidence is really high. And, you know, that type of player that he is, like I say, you know, that kind of power forward-ish, you know, he could play small forward. if he, You know, he could go a variety of front court guys, and he's not going to um, uh, back down is something the Pacers desperately need, especially, obviously, with T.J. Warren out. Um, but just going forward, you can't, you know, it, it's not a problem to have a, a surplus of guys like that who are, um, you know, front court, versatile front court player like that, um, especially uh, the way the league's going. And, you know, obviously when they're playing small, they, they can be effective that way, uh, get, keeping that pace up and scoring, um, even if they are outsized a little bit. So, uh, yeah, a lot of for O'Shea coming in and, and kind of rescuing the narrative here for a little bit for the Pacers. Yeah, definitely. And I think the biggest thing, too, is like you mentioned, I mean, O'Shea looks like somebody who should be, you know, one of the um, I mean, he is the forward off the bench that this team's kind of been looking for in terms of exactly, yeah. uh, somebody who's going to uh, be able to provide the versatility when you're you're downsizing from two bigs. And again, we have questions on whether or not there will be two bigs on the roster next year, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. But um, point being, I mean, he's on a I don't love talking about team friendly deals because it can be uh it's an interesting spot, but uh I mean yeah, he's signed for three years, two non guaranteed, but he is uh I mean he's going to be an impactful player moving forward, it feels like. And it's been awesome to see him grow like this. Uh I think he is the first player, it feels like he's the first player that we've seen that is capable of making a backline rotation and closing out uh effectively. Like it, it's just been it, like watching him do it. Even in the same possession, sometimes it's like, oh my God, where has this been the entire year? Yeah, it, it um, and and that is for me, I think the the defensive end of things and being able to not be, you know, outsized or or out of position, kind of trying to, you know, battle a guy where you know, like Justin Holiday's had to do for so long. Um, you're right; it's just been like, oh. This is just it's just a natural fit. It's the way things should be sometimes. Um, so yeah, that that's <laughs> uh, definitely you know that's when defense is fun to watch when you see those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I mean, you already talked about him a little bit. Let's transition to it. Ed Sumner uh, put up oh, baby. tied his career high twice, if I remember correctly, or it was one point shy last night, but tied his career high. Yeah, one one shy last day. night. Yeah. Um, actually, kind of funny because both outings were just like massive. Out, out point that points massive scoring in the first quarter and then he was kind of even kill the rest of the game uh regardless mm-hmm. i mean what have you thought of ed because I, I i'm trying to uh i I'll, I'll share my point in a minute but what what have you thought about ed this this weekend has that changed your mind on him at all or, or what you see from him moving forward no i mean it's it just kind of confirmed like the best version of what i think we hoped or at least i hoped he could be uh, because he's so um, athletic and fast and, and that dynamic is, you know, there are a lot of players in the league that can match him um, when he gets in the open court. And the, the thing I loved about these two games is he got to the, those, you know, 20 point games in different manners. Uh, he, he was really hitting the three against Detroit and then uh, against Orlando was just in transition or push, not necessarily even in transition after made basket sometime just pushing it and uh, getting in the lane and, and um, finishing or getting to the line. And, you know, he also, again, is a guy defensively who can guard multiple players and, and has a quickness to stay in front of guys. So um, like Brissett, you know, he, he can fill in the gaps and, and play roles without having to be that lead guy. And, um, it's kind of interesting. I feel like Levert and Brogdon, you know, Sumner's been so flashy, and, and I think we're all kind of watching them. But um, 
LeBert and Bladen have been very productive next to him. And, you know, I think it's easing the burden on them a little bit in different ways. Um, so they can, um, uh, because you have to account for Sumner now. I mean, you got to know where he is because um, even in the half court, he's ducking back forward and, and um, you, you, defense has to keep an eye on him. And, you know, the more and more he hits that three, he's even more of a, of a, a weapon out there. Even if he's not scoring a lot, he, he's a threat. And, and just having that threat and knowing the defense has to account for him, uh, that, you know, just eases everybody's burden on that into the floor. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think you brought up a great point too. Caitlin wrote a really great piece last week about um, the pace of play. And that was something that held true this weekend, almost, I mean, even more so. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. you're seeing O'Shea pushes it a little bit in transition. And he, he I mean, he's passing out uh, immediately, you know, once he gets close to the half court line. But like point being, that just allows you to get into the rhythm and flow of things more. Like even Wendell Carter can run the floor incredibly well, and they were able to get beat, beat him down floor sometimes just because they would push the ball so quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge point that stands out. Ed, in the open floor, I don't know other than Russell Westbrook and John Wall. Have I, I, I mean, maybe this is revisionist history, and I it's 9, 9.30 <laughs> in the morning, so I'm not thinking straight, but I can't think of anybody in the last five years that has been – Oh, okay. Now that I think about it, De'Aaron Fox, you know, there are a lot of guys that could bring up point yeah. B for the Pacers. Edmund Sumner, other than maybe yeah. Victor in his prime, is like the best coast-to-coast -coast player we've seen in terms of just pure speed and getting downhill. And he's so controlled at the rim now. Like, I posted the stat yesterday. He's shooting 70% at the rim in the month of April, which is really, really good for, yeah. for someone his size. Um, it, like, he's just so controlled there now, and I think – that's been the biggest thing is just the game has slowed down for him. He actually was getting a little bit too in his bag yesterday. He pulled out a, a fader out of like nowhere from like 10 feet. And uh, he tried that behind the back pass that, uh, that went out of bounds, but it's just cool seeing him reach this level of confidence because he, he did not used to be that player. Even at the beginning of the year, you could tell he was hesitant to make plays. He didn't want to make mistakes. And, and now he's just playing, he's playing free and he's playing to his full capabilities. It's been awesome. Yeah, and, and, you know, the speed is it, – it's hard to watch and adjust to knowing that he is in control when he's going that fast. I still feel like, oh, God, you know, he's just flying down there and, and there's no way he's going to um, be in control once he gets to the rim. But um, he has – I think going back to your Geely comment, you know, there were times when I, whenever I watched him in Geely and he was productive. Um, and But he would force it at times. I mean, he had, was playing a different role. and. And, um, but, you know, he got himself to a point where he has, you know, a lot of those reps going in, in the lane and, and finishing. And now, um, you know, it's all paying off on the, on the big stage for him. And I think, you know, like he mentioned with the, with the smaller lineup really spreading the floor, it just opens, opens the lanes and, and he knows, <laughs> you know, he gets a step, he's at least going to get bumped in there. Um, if not, and, uh, uh, I think that's really helping his confidence too, knowing that, you know, he, he can get by anybody out there for the most part. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really great point. Um, the one thing that I do want to say, and this is just because I've, I've seen uh, a little bit of um, a little bit of pendulum swinging. Like I, I don't, I mean, this is not, like, not to cap Ed. Like I think Ed is really good and he still has potential for sure. He, he is 25 right now. Um, I just I, I do want people to hold their horses a little bit because I don't want, you know, as the, the team's about to play a much tougher stretch over the next week or so. Point. Yeah, being, but well, I mean, the thing is, at the, you know, as I mentioned, defense have to account for them. And now, I mean, it's going to be even, a, you know, have a bigger paragraph on the scouting report um, and all that. So as you're going to be playing, um, like I said, uh, more challenging opponents here. So. Um, yeah, this is a, you know, there's, there's always, you know, three steps forward, one step back, you know, type of thing with a guy developing like this and getting the opportunity. Um, and it's just good that he's gotten to this point now that he has something really to build on here yeah. and, um, kind of, kind of his, um, you know, trust his game. And, and I think the team trusts him too, that's, um, knows when to get it out to him and get him going. Um, so you know, I, 
I still think he's going to have an impact. Yeah, I, I don't know that we're ready to call him a 20-point game uh, scorer at this point. Yeah, well, my um, thing was I saw we'll, somebody we'll – I saw a thread of saying Ed is the future for the Pacers. And I was like, all right, let's let's hold our horses yeah, here a little yeah. bit. You know, Malcolm Brogdon still exists. TJ Warren exists. Domas is there. Like, that's not the yeah. – Ed just played his 100th NBA game last week. So let's, uh, let's hold the horse a little yeah. bit. You know, he's still like – very much so being molded as a player. We have no idea what he's going to be yet. And he probably doesn't know what he's going to be yet. So let's just uh, enjoy, enjoy the Sumner experience as Caitlin uh, would say. And the, uh, the, the Pacers PR team, not PR team, Pacers social team will, uh, will expand upon Um, moving into our next thing. So we do have to talk a little bit about downturn um, because so as, as we're talking about Ed and O'Shea getting minutes, uh, Aaron Holiday played, I think, five collective minutes uh, this weekend. Um, Keelan Martin came off the bench before him yesterday, and he only played in uh, in garbage time. So, as Ed and as Ed has really risen up, um, and O'Shea has gotten this run as well, uh, we've really seen Aaron uh, just kind of take a step back. Um, and I know this has kind of been the story, so we don't have to hit on it too much. But, it, I mean, what have you thought so far about the way that that played out? Because I was a little bit surprised that that, uh, that Keelan got run before him yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Summers sees those minutes and, like, not only his minutes. Oh, yeah, he's but, deserving uh, of them 100%. Yeah, some of, he's taken some of McDermott's minutes. He's taken some of Holiday's minutes. But um, – the thing yesterday, I didn't think it was that big of a deal in the first half when Martin went in, just because, mm-hmm. I mean, he was almost the next biggest guy. Yeah, no, the like they needed the size for sure. Both had both had three fouls in the first half, um, and it obviously wasn't the best offensive unit. But I, at the time, I know I, I was seeing some things on Twitter about, oh, wow, Martin's in instead of Holiday, but it was like, he's like the next biggest guy, and they were kind of dealing with foul troubles. Um, and it ended up not, you know, he didn't end up playing that many minutes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think after the game, Brooklyn just minute, mentioned he wants to get these other guys time and, and Holiday's going to be out there. But, you know, we never know what's going on behind the scenes with Holiday. Um, obviously, I'm sure he's not pleased with that, not playing. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, you know, we're talking about Sumner season, the opportunity, and Holiday's had fits and starts where it seems like he's been doing that, but then, you know, he has those stretches where um, he really has struggled. So he definitely has gotten the opportunities. So um, I guess at this point, uh, it, it you know, it is what it is for him, and he's going to have, I'm sure he's going to get another opportunity for years over to, to play some more extended minutes. Um, but um, it's going to be up to him to just, you know, stay ready at this point. So, I, you know, it it just stinks how the season's gone for him. And, you know, let alone, you know, if he wants to go to another place and the pitchers want to deal him, um, if, if you know, if that's a worst-case scenario, um, even that's not going well because his value has uh, has gone down uh, because, of, because of the lack of production. So, um, we'll be interested to see how, um, if anything else comes to that, or, or if that, you know, if he literally isn't playing at all uh, going forward here, you know, because <clears throat> considering all the guys that are out right now, um, you know, you would think, my God, at this point, he's really buried. If they, you know, those guys come yeah. back and, and uh, um, you know, Brissett, Sumner, Justin, uh, you know, there's only so many guys that are going to play. Well, yeah, I guess I w- well, I have a couple of questions off that. I mean, number one, I don't love talking about, you know, trading players on, on a podcast. Like it just sounds, it feels wrong in some ways. Cause you know, they're, they're, they're people, you know, it's just, it's all hypotheticals, but I mean, what do you think about them not having traded Aaron? Uh, I, I'm sure his trade value was down this year compared to where it was last year. There were obviously, you know, reports, I think it was Kevin O'Connor had that, um, you know, there were firsts offered, uh, not multiple, but like a first was offered for, for Aaron Holiday. I think it was the Knicks mm-hmm. were interested. The Timberwolves were interested as well. Um, and nothing came from it. Um, I, I Obviously, those same deals would not have been on the table this year, given how Aaron has played. Um, 
But regardless, I mean, what do you think of them not having traded Aaron? Because it seems like, I mean, we, we it feels like we've seen this coming a little bit, you know? Like, it's just, it's always been kind of at a weird head. Maybe they were expecting him to really step into that role with Jeremy out to start the year. But um, I feel like they had that answer before the trade deadline that he wasn't going to. And especially yeah, with the I, way I mean, that I, TJ McConnell has played too. I mean, TJ really yeah, stepped I mean, into that role. I as think well. heading into this year, you know, they didn't trade him earlier because they felt like he could be, um, because, you know, we're talking about Sumner and how quick and athletic he is. And, and I mean, that was, you know, and, and Aaron, he was, he was that guy. <laughs> or he is that guy too. I mean, he's one of the few guys, um, you know, who has that speed and, and scoring ability as well you know when he has it going uh, or at least that you know that, that kind of is the potential of his game that I think the Pacers saw um, but yeah I, I think the fact they didn't deal him at the deadline was just because there was no market um, and at that point also I mean he still was part of the rotation and and um, you know if I just wanted to hope that he'd continue to play better and get through the year and then, and then deal with it at the end of the year. So um, it is definitely become kind of a tricky situation here with the emergence of um, some of these other players and uh, giving them an opportunity to, to play and, ma- and maybe, you know, shine a little bit more in, in Bjorkman's system. Um, but, you know, it, it just seems like Aaron would, should be able to fit in the system as well. It's just frustrating when he, when he comes out and has those uh, so many so inconsistent at best. You know he's inconsistent, um, and for several games, you know he, he just doesn't have anything going. Um, so you know it, it's going to be obviously a transition here for him in some way, um, where he's going to have to grind through it and, and find something that works. I mean. All he's got to do is look at his older brother, Justin. That guy went through everything and, and back. Um, and, you know, it doesn't always come easy for everybody. And, you know, you just got to, as far as him, the person, the player, you know, he's just got to keep grinding and, and get that confidence somewhere because, I mean, there's nothing prettier than when he's got that three-point shot going and it's so quick and, and even even at his size, it's really hard to defend. And can put pressure on a defense. So, um, you know, he's got the game in there. It's just somehow, some way, someone's got to unlock it. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I really hope things work out for him because he seems like a really good dude. And um, I hope that things still work out with him and the Pacers. But, you know, it just doesn't seem like that's in the cards right now. But we'll uh, we'll see as things move forward. Who knows? Um, so next thing I want to talk about, I do want to talk about uh Karis and Brogdon uh let's talk about Karis first uh Karis was he was interesting this weekend um I want to be a little bit delicate with this because I know he said that he was sick uh on Saturday after the game uh but in going back through and and watching uh segments of the game of both games uh because I always like you know write notes and say okay well what happened here defensively and I'll go and watch it the next day uh it in, in going back I think 40 or 50% of the defensive breakdowns that happen with the starting lineup are because of Kara <laughs> softball. Um, and it's not like we have positive, plenty of positive stuff to talk about with Karis, but I mean, it's gotten to a point now where, I mean, it, like Karis's off ball defense is a negative on the team. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's kind of the anti <laughs> Um When we're talking about always being in the right place. Um, it's, it, seems to show up and, and the way they're, they're playing is obviously against Detroit and the magic, they get away with it. But with that pace, um, you know, I, the biggest benefit is that, you know, the less time they have to set up in the um, half court defense, the better they, they can get the ball going back and forth as much as possible. But uh, yeah, I, I just think of, you know, if they, if they did make the playoffs or if they ended up getting in a playoff series, that, that's when defense and, and being together and, and um, th- that's where it would really be glaring and a problem, honestly. Um, so I, it, it doesn't seem like he, he should have an issue being a good, good defender. 
you know, decent defender, you know, <laughs> um, knowing what to do, you know, that type of thing. Um, he's obviously that great, you know, basketball IQ and, and feel for the game uh, at the offensive end. And so um, there's got to be a way to get him more comfortable defensively. And, and I mean, he's just keep an eye on your guy. <laughs> ball man, ball man, let's go. Um, yeah. I, I feel like, um, and as much as I've enjoyed a lot of his offense and, and the effort he puts out there, I mean, that, that, that's the one thing that shows up. It's like, ah, and, and you think when, when, you know, that trade for Vic in a lot of ways, I feel like they've ended up at a wash because of his offense. But I mean, Oladipo is so great. Just being a defensive free safety type guy. Um, and that, that's something that they really miss. And, and, uh, um, you know, kind of something you're hoping to get back with like Sumner and Brissett type guys, but uh, at some point, Levert's gonna have to gonna have to dial it in there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think he can be fine on ball. He can definitely like reach a little bit and overplay his man, but um, like I think he he has a like he he can at least be okay there. And he's had I mean, even in like the the Heat game against Jimmy, um, he had some really good moments on ball. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's just it's very hit and miss with him right now. And part of it's different. I mean, he went from um, Brooklyn was playing switch everything when he was there to I mean, his his defense to his credit has been a lot better uh, recently compared to like the first two weeks were, oh, my God. Um, part of it's, you know, him coming back, but also like playing in an, in an entirely new scheme that's very different from what he was doing in Brooklyn. But yeah, um, finding him on that end is going to be huge because especially with the way that they're playing, I guess that brings up another question for me, too, like. What have you thought of the defense um, recently or, or not even just recently, but just in general, because I think I keep looking at it and thinking about um, next year and uh, which I, I'm not trying to just discredit this year and, and throw it away. But um, I mean, do you think we're going to see some major changes to the defensive system before next year? Well, I mean, I would assume there'd be some changes. I, I felt like it, there's been, a lot of experimentation um, this year, and obviously not all of it um, good, a lot of it bad at times. Um, and the, the the you know the zone has been good. You know, recently actually the zone's been good for some a few possessions here and there. But um, I feel like the Going forward, this the roster is going to be tweaked in some way, mm. and and that is going to have to, um, you know, defense is going to have to be part of that that tweaking. You know, um, I do feel like I get I kind of get this feeling over the past week with none of these big guys available that almost um, Brooklyn's more comfortable with this really small lineup. <laughs> yeah, and, it feels like it at some time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and, and being able to kind of, you know, maybe that's because of his G League roots and, and just deal with what you got, um, and, and all that. But I feel like, you know, having, at, you know, at some point they have like basically five guys out there who are like six, five or, or taller and they could mix a match a lot easier. They're more athletic and they're just a different dynamic defensively. Um, and. You know, at least that would be something they, you know, would look to do more in in sports, at least, depending upon how many big guys remain on the roster going forward. Um, but there's definitely got to be some some tweaking. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I keep coming back to. I, I really think um... – I mean, I, I don't think that they can just like, I, and just given the way that that Nate has approached things this year, it doesn't seem like he's going to want to change too much, you know. Um, but I think it comes down to the roster is just going to. I feel personally yeah. that the roster is going to just be very different next year, um, just given the way that this year has gone. I mean, if you look at any of the years when um, when the Pacers have had a down year like this, like it's something that I'm writing on a little bit. Like, um, I mean, you look at the the Danny Granger years, the lean years. I mean, those rosters were pretty different year in, year out as they're trying to revamp yeah. things. Um, you look at 
14, 15, uh, after 14, 15, I mean, they completely overhauled the roster. They traded for Thad. Uh, they brought in Jeff Teague, uh, which you know, RIP to that. Um, I, I remember actually funny thing. Jeff Teague got mentioned on the broadcast yesterday and a little bit of PTSD from 15, 16. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, no, I mean, just looking comparatively, I mean, every, th- that's just my feel, but every time that there has been a down year like this, there has been a pretty significant roster overhaul and KP was part of that in, in 15, 16. So I don't know. Do you feel like that's going to be yeah. what it looks like next year? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that they're going to trade away all the starters, but in terms of like what the bench players look like, I, I do think it's going to be different. And even yeah, with the I, starters, I think, I think, sorry, I don't mean to keep interjecting. I do yeah, think the starters well, no, are I, too. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, you know, for, for a long while, I felt like they were going to run it back um, this year um, because of the, the staggering, um, you know, the way the injuries just kept popping up and, and with Warren being out the year, and it's like, okay, we haven't been able to see everybody at once. Um, but then, you know, one, after Vic, Vic was traded and then Levert was out for a while, and, you know, that right there, you know, through the season in the turmoil, um, and then, you know, they still haven't seen those results with with Miles and, and Domas that we've been talking about for years. It seems like um, I feel like you know there's got to be a level of frustration there um, that you know we can't just sit around and wait and hope everybody's healthy and ready to go and then it's going to work because there's signs that you know even if. DJ Warner was around, it, it might not necessarily work um, as far as those, those big guys and, and, you know, meshing with the way Bjorker wants to play. Um, so I, I, I could surely see some differences off the bench, but I, I do think, you know, there could be some differences in that starting lineup as well. Um, I, I'm kind of open to anything that might happen. Um, you know, it, it's hard. It's, almost impossible to speculate because um you know the big numbers and and who might who it might be you know we we all know um i think anybody could be could be on the board um this summer so um but i i I just feel like running it all the way back um just isn't going to be uh the way and i agree with you that that you know when, when they've had these dips there's always been that um effort to tweak and at least get flexible with that roster um, and, and then have those guys come together and try and try and build on that. So we'll see. Yeah, most definitely. Well, we're going to take a really quick break and then we'll be right back and talk on a few more things before we get out of here. <clears throat> Welcome back Pacers fans. All right. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I completely agree with, with what you're saying. Obviously that's kind of what I echoed as well. I mean, I think uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting year. Uh, just the way that things have worked out. Um, but of course, the Pacers are still, after this weekend, they are one game back of the eighth seed and only two and a half games back of the seventh seed. Um, and I guess technically the sixth seed because the Celtics and Heat are tied for the sixth seed right now. Um, Pacers play Portland tomorrow, uh, Brooklyn on Thursday, and then I believe OKC for the last time this year on yeah. Saturday. Um, so, Coming into this week, I mean, I, I think Portland's been on a little bit of a, a little bit of a downturn, but obviously they have Damian Lillard. Um, that that always changes things up. The Pacers beat Portland pretty handily at the beginning of the year, um, right before the Vic trade, and then uh, you know I, I think they'll they'll certainly. I mean, they're looking to bank wins to to try and recoup their standing a little bit and, and uh, come in strong to to not have to be in the plane because currently Portland is in the seventh seed. Obviously Brooklyn yeah. has been a buzzsaw lately. Um, what are your thoughts about this upcoming week? Because I think it, we're kind of at the point now where, I mean, there's what um, they've played 60 games. So there's 12 games left. Uh, I mean, this team is probably a lock for the play in just about like, I would say with like 70% confidence, the Pacers are probably going to be in the play in. That sounds about right, seventy percent. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I thought Charlotte was going to fade, and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, and Lamelo's going to be back soon too. They're one of the more fun teams to watch. <laughs> that big, big win yesterday. So, 
um, I thought the Pacers might be able to jump ahead of them, and they still may, obviously, but um, they're going to have to earn it. And, you know, uh, you mentioned Portland. I guess I would say Pacers are grab, catching them at the worst time because they, they have lost five in a row. They're obviously not playing great, but at some point they're going to rise up on a night in, in, in that. And um, I feel like I've seen that type of game from opponents at the field house far too often this year. So, um, and then, you know, Brooklyn, it'll depend on who shows up, you know, I mean, Durant was unbelievable yesterday, but will he play again? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what his uh, status is game to game at this point, but um, that will be a, uh, a obviously a, a challenge. And from there, you know, they do have OKC, and then they, they still have two games of Washington, who's really coming on. Yeah, they're up to the tenth spot. So um, that early, you know, about two or three weeks ago, that the rest of that schedule looked a little softer. But when you figure in the way Washington's been playing, it it isn't, um, um, you know, as uh, favorable as it appears. You know, it seems like these things change week to week. So we'll see. We'll see where all these teams are at. Um, in another week, but yeah, this is going to be uh, a, a big week here uh, for the Pacers. At least try to get two out of the next three. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I I don't really know how to view this. I mean, I think the biggest thing, like you know, I, I think a lot of people have been getting frustrated because the team has been winning to some regard. And uh, yeah. I get it, but what I try and come at it this from is like, you know, what more do you want them to do? You know, they they I mean, they've been playing with the with a bare bones roster with, you know, starting Jakar Sampson and O'Shea set together and um, just trying to cobble things together. And it's, it's been, you know, you're seeing the development from the young guys you're seeing Ed develop, you're seeing O'Shea get the minutes and, and make things happen. And um, like, I mean, the ball movement has been a lot better. Guys are looking better uh, or maybe guys aren't necessarily looking better, but I mean, like I, I felt the ball movement's been better. Part of that's probably just because, you know, you you have to move the ball more. Um, but I, I don't know. They're encouraging signs. And I think the biggest thing you want from an organization is growth, whether or not that's coming through wins or losses, however, however you're making that happen. And I, I know you could counter and say, well, maybe their best growth is going to come through the draft. And I would not disagree with you, but I do think it's important to be getting um, what they're getting now. Cause I think, you have more answers for how things are going to look next year, um, how things might develop towards next year than, than you did prior. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can't really have it both ways and, and want Sumner to really flourish and, and show what he's got and Brissett come out of nowhere and, and be a productive, real good player. And then, you know, but still want them to lose. <laughs> you know, I mean, those guys are playing winning basketball and, and against those teams. Um, you know, that they played this weekend, that's what they did. Uh, you know, I, I did think, you know, with that Detroit game, you look at the, the production they have and, and you know, you had uh, Brogdon, Sumner, and LeBert all well over 20 points and, and you got a good game from McDermott. And that game was still tight all the way through uh, against that Detroit team that's young and, and, um, and also growing as well, but, you know, not exactly world beaters at this point. So um, we'll, we'll see here now when they wrap up the competition, um, if, you know, the guys like some number set can still have that impact and, and push them to play well. Uh, and if they can keep up that, you know, that pace, that quick pace and that seems to work for them. Um, but, you know, you hope they can. I mean, that, that's growth and, and development the team needs. Um, and you know where they're on the standings right now. If, if um, they're, they're still going to be kind of at the bottom of the, of the lottery, anyways, most likely, uh, depending upon how things go the last couple of weeks. So, um, it, you know, at this point, like we mentioned before, um, when things were looking worse, you know, no one's going to coach. Bjorken's going to be coaching his ass off and. A lot of these, you know, these players are going to be playing um, to win. So um, whatever you want them to do, they're, they're not going to roll over. So um, if they if they play winning basketball, then then I think that's good and that's that's good for the development of the team. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I I can't disagree with that at all. Um, 
I'm just interested to see how things go the next 12 games because we have a lot to look forward to. And I think uh, as we close out here, I, w- I would say, what are you most looking forward to in this week of basketball against Portland and Brooklyn? And I guess well, OKC really too. Forward. We're also looking for OKC. Yeah, yeah I think, um, you know, just to see, I'm interested to see how they come out against Brooklyn in a competitive nature to see what, what they can do to um, <laughs> slow down uh, or find a way to try and slow down Brooklyn a little bit. That's the one team I don't know if they want to get in a horse race with. Um, and, and offensive high-paced game, um, obviously, uh, because of the firepower that they bring. But uh, I think this Portland game is a really good test for where this group is right now. Um, and I, I don't know – Maybe Gogo will be back. Who knows? It seems like um, one thing I think, you know, we haven't hit on yet is it seems like Turner and Sabonis might be out for an extended period of time. Obviously, Turner, I think, you know, maybe done. Uh, but um, again, what can this group do? They played well together and found a way to be productive and, you know, wrapping it up against Portland. Um, a, a little different level of team. Um, how, how will that shake out at home? Um, that, that's a, you know, first and foremost, next game is what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And that's, that's one of the things that's been lost a little bit uh, the last couple of games of the, as they've been playing well. Like, uh, Gogo was looking fantastic in the game that he was playing before he went out with injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, just stunk for him that he hasn't been able to be in and play. I mean, it's, it's hurt the team a little bit too, not having him, but uh, I was really looking forward to him getting these minutes to, to try and um, capitalizing and get some real opportunity against NBA opposition, at least starting units, I should say, um, and get real high leverage minutes. And we unfortunately haven't gotten to see that, but I'm, I'm hopeful that he will be back sooner rather than later. Cause it, like you mentioned, it seems like he's going to be back sooner than, than either Turner, definitely Turner. Um, yeah. Sabonis' injury has been like really unclear in terms of, at least just based on what what I've seen, it feels really unclear uh, when he's going to be back. Yeah, and, and I mean a lower back that can you know that's different than than an ankle or something where you're you know you're sure it's healed and ready to go. And um, I think that lower back type thing is something that what you you deal with not only the trainers on the team but the bonuses people and, and um, you know, how much they want to rush him back or, or, or not rush him back, you know, take it easy to um, let everything heal up. So um, I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't play the rest of the year, but, mm-hmm. um, but that might be <laughs> an interesting supply here to see, uh, see what happens with, with the bonus the rest of the way. Yeah, definitely. Um... I, I 100% concur with that because it's uh, the team is certainly not tanking, but uh, I don't think I would ever imply that they are. But it, I mean, this is a holding guys out for a little bit longer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. So the last thing I do want to hit on though, um, we did talk a little bit about Karis earlier, but I want to talk about how well Karis did play because I didn't want to just make it sound like I was disparaging him. The defense just has been rough, but offensively, uh, some of the stretches that he went on, um, like Malcolm was, I feel like Malcolm's just kind of been a metronome. You know, he's, he's been really, at least the last couple of weeks, he's just been very consistent. And like yesterday, I think he had 25 points right around there. And I, I didn't even notice him scoring half the time, which sounds like productive, but just point being like, you you can count on Malcolm Um, with Karis. I mean, he went from uh, in the first game, I wrote in my notes, I was like, man, Karis just seems really just out of it today and kind of disengaged. And again, he, he mentioned after that he, he was sick and it, it kind of showed on court. But then in that second half, I mean, the team was really starting to struggle uh, in the second half. And he just completely poured it on. And without the stretch that he had in the third quarter, the, the team loses that game. Um, and he did a I mean, similarly yesterday, I don't think the different game in terms of the team was really clicking and it never really felt like the game was going to get out of hand um, for in, in favor of Orlando. Um, and the Pacers were able to actually have like one of the, it feels like the first sustained massive run that doesn't just completely falter. 
Um, mm-hmm. And in large part because Karras just had a crazy scoring outburst. And it, it feels a lot like when Vic would go on some of the scoring runs that would put the team over the top um, in, in 17, 18 and partially in 18, 19 too, when he was healthy. And it's been, uh, it feels like, I mean, Malcolm's done it a few times. Um, I've never really, I don't want to, again, I don't want to sound reductive, but it doesn't feel like that's necessarily a house of bonus plays. Like he doesn't necessarily go on these massive scoring runs. Like he will every once in a while. Um, but Karras has really just been a microwave at times. And I think that really showed this weekend. Yeah. And, and it's such a, a bonus to have that um, extra guy like that who, who can just turn it on and, and take over that scoring load for a while. And real quick on Broadbent, you're right. I mean, he is, you know, probably needs more praise for his play through this stretch that has had to have been difficult, um, you know, playing without big guys or all the injuries or whatever. He's just been bringing it consistently. Um, but with LeVert um, being a guy that can um, go on those runs and he's getting in the lane and getting his shot, he hasn't been really shooting the three that well, but he's been scoring. Um, and that is, you know, huge in keeping this team afloat. My favorite play of the weekend, probably when um, uh, McConnell swiped the ball from um, uh, Killian Hayes, and, and you can see LaVert just go into, like, Usain Bolt sprinting form <laughs> to get ahead of the uh, to get ahead of the defense, mm-hmm. and McConnell got on the ball, and he was able to finish on reverse. It was just, you know, that effort um, to to really run and get out there and get that bucket when, you know, he could have just, you know, ran with the defense and, you know, tried to get something set up quickly. Um, instead, he just, you know, he was smelling that bucket. And, and that's what he is. He's a, he's a scorer. He can, he can smell and he can score. And, and um, it, it's good enough Pacers can get in the ball and, and let him go to work. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And just like you mentioned with highlighting Malcolm, I mean – in his last nine games, uh, so since April 11th, 46.5% from the floor, 39% from three on seven a game, 85% from the line, which is low for him, which is always wild to say. Um, 25 points, eight rebounds, seven assists to 1.8 turnovers. Um, he's been – I mean, it's like – I think I get asked this a lot by people who are outside of Indiana or outside of the Pacers' sphere – I mean, I always say that I think he is probably the most important pacer um, right now. I mean, I think you could uh, – Domas is, I guess, you could say the best player just because of all-star status. But I do think um, – I mean, without Malcolm, what is this team doing a lot of times? He's guarding the best player on the other team most games. Uh, he is the lead ball handler still, even with Karras here. Um, if you need a shot, he's the guy you're kind of relying on. I mean, in those games since the 11th, the lowest amount of shots he's taken is 17 and he scored above 20 points in all, but two games. I mean, he's been, and, and that's not everything, but just point being like the scoring load he has is ridiculous. The um, mm-hmm. what he's doing defensively on top of that is ridiculous as well. I just don't, like you mentioned, I just don't think he gets praised enough yeah. for what he's been doing this year. Um, he's been so instrumental to, if the team is playing well, it's in large part because he's helping bolster that. And if the team's not playing well, um, he's the only reason they're probably in the game sometimes. Uh, it just, he's been so good this year. Yeah. And even, sorry, man. You're good. Real big Brogdon fan. Um, but, um, he, he's been also really, I think a, a key to, even though you don't think of him and think of pace and the way we think of summer, but he has been keeping that pace. High, you know, he'll bring it down and he'll shoot a three or, or drive it right in and get the shot up um, to keep the pace at, you know, going that, that uh, Bjorken wants. And, you know, not always is he taking a great shot, but of late, like we say, he's been been uh, real productive. And I think taking all that load and, and just almost being the, the glue that's holding it together has been so impressive. Um, and really, I think, you know, has been a bit overlooked just because of the, the flash of these other guys who are rising up and, and you know, like LeBert and some members that McConnell, those guys. 
Um, you, you know, you kind of take Rodman for granted, but um, I guess we aren't today. We're making sure everybody knows. Uh, he deserves some credit for this uh, this great special play. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I guess, okay, so last thing that I do want to ask before we get out of here, what have you thought about their fit overall as time has kind of gone on? And now, you know, since they've been the two most featured guys um, the last last week or two, I mean, what have you thought about the way that they've started to fit? Yeah, I mean, that, I almost just mentioned that, you know, it seems like they are, are um, much, much better tandem out there. And I, honestly, I, I don't know if it is the – is the you know having Sumner in there a little bit more with them because of the different dynamic he brings, um, where you know those guys are a little more, um, you know, I'm trying to think of the word, old schools, you know, slower type of score where Sumner is just like in your face and and forcing the action. Um, but regardless, um, it, it seems like they uh, are. are growing together uh, on the offensive end at least um you know i think the the combo at times can be um dicey defensively um uh, but overall yeah. like you say i mean Brodman's really been been um putting the effort out on that end i mean at one point he's playing center um so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but as as a combo i mean i think those are those are two solid pieces that that you know, the pitchers should be happy to build around. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely, man. I, I agree. And even with the defense, too, it's hard because he he's asked to guard guys who he shouldn't be. Like, he's really a lot more of a – like, I think he's better tr- defending bigger wings than he is at defending, you know, small guards. Like, he's just not super quick right, right, right. or anything like right. that. So, he gets asked to do a lot of things out of position sometimes. And that's been, you know, story of the entire Pacers roster. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Good to good to give him his flowers. Last thing I would say, too, uh, Nate McMillan, coach of the year probably, or, or sh- should be deserving of it. It's been cool to see him uh, perform super well in Atlanta. Uh, great guy. So happy for him. Definitely. Uh, I think, do we see Atlanta one more time this season? I think we do. Oh, I was just looking at that. Um, I think they yeah, play twice this year. So they've got, yeah, they, yeah, they, they play May 6th. So, all right, cool. We'll uh, be looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah. They, um, that win yesterday they had over Milwaukee was impressive. I know. I'm about to so, watch that after we get off here. I'm, I, I oh, heard man. about it and I'm, uh, yeah, looking forward to watching it, man. Um, have you have you watched much of the Knicks lately? The Knicks are so fun to watch. I they love are, watching they those teams. They remind me of a Pacers team from like you know watching like five or six years ago. Yeah, the 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 you know Vogel Denver, you know they're, they're going to get after it. I, I love the way that um, that Thibodeau has kind of revamped some of those younger guys, and and um, man, you know it's not it's not a bad thing to be. Uh, have a defensive mindset out there sometimes because they can raise your whole game. I mean, the Julius Randle experience has been incredible. Um, and uh, they, they, I, I just I just wish Madison Square, Square Garden was full for some of this. Um, but in due time, I guess that'll come. But um, yeah, that's, they're going to be a, a fun team to watch in the playoffs. Most definitely. All right. Well, Tom. Always good to catch up to everyone listening. We will be back on uh, on Tuesday night after the Portland game. Thank you for listening, and, of course, have a good rest of your day.